When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Oh my gosh, black women are superheroes. Black women will save the world. We're really tired of having to. I was a single mother who was married. Only date men that you don't have to teach, that you don't have to raise. No more step-boyfriends, no more foster boyfriends. We're not dating them and raising them. He did not come to Michelle with dick and dreams. Build a brother, build a bear, build a brother. I had to learn to talk softer to myself. Welcome. You are tuned into Monuments to Me, brought to you by Revolt. This is a safe space for honest and relevant conversations intended to recharge Black women and fuel Black girl magic. We're your hosts, Akilah Friend and Don Montgomery, and each week we'll be addressing a range of topics from self-care, entrepreneurship, to politics and relationships. Join us as we explore and bask in the joys of Black womanhood. Right, black women and those who love black women, welcome back to this protected space. This is Monuments to Me brought to you by Revolt. I'm your host or co-host, I should say, Akila Friends, and I'm joined with my fabulous co-host, Don Montgomery. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. I kind of led that in. I was like, girl, <laughs> like on it with it. Yes, you know. <laughs> yes, but she was ready. She was ready. And we're we have an amazing discussion today. We have yes. you know someone who's very poised to do that, right? Like we're talking mm-hmm. about feminism and hip hop. And clearly when we think about feminism and we think about hip hop, we think about ride or die chicks. And we think about ride or die chicks, we think about Shanita Hubbard and the book she wrote <laughs> about, yes. you know, how to change that up a bit. So Shanita, welcome. Mm-hmm. She's an author, she's a you know, obviously a writer and a- also an adjunct professor, but Shanita will have you just introduce yourself to the folks. Thank you. Thank you. I am so happy to be here. And I'm actually excited that when you guys that you said, when you think about ride or die, you now think about my book because I'm like, that's fantastic. I am. Yes. (laughs) Former ride or die chick, (laughs) currently captain of team. Let's defund the ride or die industrial complex. (laughs) And I'm excited and happy to be here. I love it. <laughs> Not defund the complex. <laughs> Look, <laughs> because that's what we're going to have to do. Complex. Let's burn it to the ground. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So d- to defund it, you got to know what it is, right? Yeah. I feel like we all could be a little triggered <laughs> when we hear that mm-hmm. term or some folks are not even triggered. Some folks are really like, no, this is me and and I love it for me. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you can just give the folks an explanation of, of the complexity that is being a ride or die chick. So the ride or die chick, right? A lot of times that's presenting in our community as if it's a compliment, but like most things, right? Like it's almost like, for example, you know how when you're at work and they'll be like, oh my gosh, you're so competent, so efficient, you handle this well, right? That usually comes with more labor. (laughs) So can you also do this, right? So sometimes this, oh my gosh, you're so fantastic, aren't always compliments. And this is absolutely true with the ride or die trope, especially considering like at its core, at its premise, a ride or die chick is a woman who really genuinely believes that she has to show her labor through love, right? Like she's not like, so she's constantly pouring out Mm. and giving without expecting anything in return. And because Mm -hmm. wherever you go, there you are. Not only does she operate like this in her relationships, but she operates like this at work too, right? So she's that chick that's like, you see all the red flags that this company is not for you, that you might even be on a sinking ship. And she doesn't, the ride or die chick doesn't grab her oxygen mask and her bag and like, I'm getting the hell out of here. She's like, let me see how I can fix this. You know, I can increase company morale and I can help write this policy and I can have a meeting and I can do this. This, right she wants to be the fixer of all her own well-being be damned and when i say that she doesn't require reciprocity sometimes she doesn't even think that's her job right and it's she doesn't think she's worthy of it but it's also really challenging because it slips in in subtle ways it slips in it's so deeply embedded in our community and because it's deeply embedded in our community is is deeply embedded in hip-hop and some of the songs mm-hmm. that we absolutely love right so of course we can break down the song ride or die chick you know by the lot but also like some of the songs that we thought were like super romantic like when i think now about yeah. meth and mary song you're all that i need like even to mm-hmm. hear what she has to go through to get this type of celebration he's like you know, queen, I wear the crown, that be down for whatever. And I'm like, whatever, Beth? Like, whatever? Like, down for right. whatever? Yeah. Right? True. I mean, True. I mean, but... But it's Method Man, though. <laughs> <laughs> can we... Can I make an exception just for him? I'm not mad <laughs> if you want to make an exception for Method, right? But I think... Let, uh, uh, but... That's where it starts. No, Shanita, be no, mad. No, no, no. I'm- I was going to say, but this is where it starts, right? Because you start making an exception for Method, and then for Mel, and then for Macron, and then for Raekwon, and then, right? Like, so it's... Oh, absolutely right. so not. Just, I'm not talking about rape from Boo. I'm just saying literally, right? I mean, figuratively, but... When we start making these concessions, that becomes a pattern. And then yeah, that's true. Decision, and that becomes who we are and how we operate, right? So mm-hmm. I don't think there's mm-hmm. as fine as meth is, baby. And I'm down to fold leg laundry if he was in my presence, right? We okay. We <laughs> back to this whole narrative of like, you get that crown because you're down for whatever, right? So and it's, and it's, like, yeah. it's like so deeply embedded into us. We just kind of like hear those songs and hear those narratives mm-hmm. and go not only just go along with it, but ascribe to it because it's so much bigger than hip hop. And for those who, you know, haven't read the book yet, I was talking about like the genesis of this isn't a black church, right? Like we've seen it. Ah, yes, Even yes. You never step foot in a black church. The honey, there is no separation between church and hood. Your aunties have, your grandmothers have, right? Your mom has. And these are the people that raise our communities. So this, you know, sister big hat, show up early, open it up, you know, clean and cooking 
frying the fish, giving out the pamphlets, doing all of this, everything for free, you know, because, you know, as for as unto the Lord. But a lot of times we've watched this get manipulated. We watched them prove this type of labor at the point of their own exhaustion to where it's sacrificing their families and their health. Right. So when you've modeled this is what love looks like. We have a generation of women that are reciprocating it. You better say that. And that's important just because from our past, you know, few episodes this season, we've been real intentional on just kind of sharing how we can put ourselves first. And so a lot of times, most Black women, nowadays we are talking about this, but we haven't talked about where we're in these spaces and the things that we allow to go on in our homes carry over into other parts of our lives. So the fact that you pointed that out, that's so important that we can kind of like recognize some of these things that we're doing in our relationships are carrying over into our professional lives. And we're wondering why we're not climbing up the ladder or why no one's really actually seeing us a lot of times where we already know because we're black women, they're really not sometimes checking for us, but at the same time, because they can pile things on top of us consistently, they don't think that we even care or that we even feel a certain way about them continuously doing these things. How do you feel about that Shanita? When I, when I listen to you speak, all I keep hearing is like, remember the narrative around the last presidential election? Like black women overwhelmingly hit the streets and we organized and we showed up yes. and we rescued America from itself, right? We've pushed, as always, we push America to be the best version of itself. And then what was the what was the impact? Everyone's like, oh my gosh, black women are superheroes. Black women will save the world. We're really tired of having to. First of all, we're not trying to save the world. We're trying to create a better world for ourselves, right? But don't give us this pat on the back. Give us policies to where we don't have to do this. Don't give us this pat on the back, right? Let's decrease this pay scale so we don't have to work so hard, right? Don't, instead of this pat on the back, change the healthcare system so that we're not dying at alarming rates, right? But like you said in the beginning, like these things sound like compliment, but they're not. A lot of times it's manipulation. A lot of times it's like that carrot at the end of the stick that keeps us going and keeps us pushing. And to your point, Dawn, wherever you go, there you are. Not even just at work, but I also talk mm-hmm. about this and I will own parenting dynamic. If you notice now, like the other day I was having mm-hmm. lunch with one of my mentees, right? She's a young woman, probably about 24, 25 years old. And she said, you know, her, her mom is a bit heartbroken because she doesn't want to be a mom. She doesn't want to have children. She doesn't want to get married. And I hear this happen all the time. And there's something to be said about that. And this, a lot of it has to do with a, of course, you know, the patriarchy, right? But also because these younger generations have been watching us and our moms Come on. model a version Come on. of motherhood that looks like martyr. Come on. Model a version that looks of like being work. a wife that looks like labor. Your dreams got to go on a side because you got to help somebody build theirs, right? So we we Come see on. you operating on this glorified damn near Molly maids with a title, right? We've seen you mm-hmm. finding Woo! no joy in that. Finding no joy mm-hmm. in that. But only thing able mm-hmm. to say is your last name was changed. So we're not right. even making this look appealing. Wow. I'm doing my best. I was guilty of that. I actually wrote about this in my book because I remember um, there was a few years ago, my daughter was younger, like a couple of, maybe a week before Christmas. I'm looking for the gifts so I can wrap them. It's like two o'clock in the morning. I can't find them. But I'm like, where the hell are these gifts? And it's because. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cut off? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. My house is so unorganized. Like I still got summer clothes in and it's December, you know? So I'm like, what is this? So at the time I was like, 
teaching three or four days a week, writing five days a week, working on my book proposal. Go only, I literally, the only free day I had was Saturdays afternoons. And that's when I usually use it to like re-up, rest, whatever that would look like. So I remember saying to myself, you know what? I'm going to hire Molly Mae to come in and just do some deep organizing. And then I felt so guilty. I'm just sitting there. I felt guilty for having the thought, right? I literally Baby. like put myself on trial mm. and determined that I was guilty of being a bad mother because mm. my grandma, my mother never needed Molly my grandmother never yeah. used holidays, so that yeah. makes me inefficient if i can't produce this type of labor exhaustion be damned forget the fact that i can afford it forget the fact that this was free mm. of my own time because i deserve mm. rest this makes me a bad mm. mother right. right so i wouldn't mm. do it so it took me a long time to unpack that narrative but i had to really interrogate my own thoughts and concepts of what motherhood looks like. And then I was, yes, I was yes. really operating on a donated perspective that did not fit the woman I wanted to be. Right. This whole you give, you do all of this labor because this is what makes a good mom. You know, you make the plate and eat last, if at all, but be there. To Baby, uh-uh. like, God forbid you take a solo vacation or your vacation is Disneyland. Like right. that doesn't look. I'm good, out. Right. I can. That doesn't look Don't good, worry about it. I can't. I can see younger women look at me saying, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm good. Love and mm -hmm. joy. Get somebody else to do it. That's it. Mm -hmm. Literally. <laughs> In that order. Right. And that's important that you, you're holding space for your mentee to kind of allow herself to kind of share these things because it's funny because earlier on when you were talking about that situation in itself, I joke about this online, but it's a real thing because I was one of those women. I was a single mother who was married, you know, mm -hmm. and I knew what that looked like because I was a single mother before I got married and I got married into a blended family. And then it was like, let a couple of years go by and I'm like, oh, I'm doing all, I'm doing all this by myself. Mm -hmm. I can live, mm -hmm. you know? And so just overall having that thought and then in the midst of like you understanding for you and yourself, defining what motherhood looks like for you. Motherhood looks like for a lot of young people nowadays, being aunties and being okay with okay being a part of somebody's village yeah. because that's a form of motherhood too. And so- it's so important that we are allowing the younger generation to define life how they want to define life, especially young black women, because now they have choices. Yes. We've never really had choices. But how does how does that really look like, you know, because I, I love what y'all are saying when it comes to just, I think, life in general, which is broadening the conversation, too, because initially when I'm thinking ride or die, that is specifically when it comes to relationships, namely relationships with men. But I like how you you both kind of expanded that to to say no it's it's also kind of relationship with the church relationship mm -hmm. with other women relationship mm -hmm. with your family relationship with motherhood etc but you all also talked about how you can kind of define that for yourself mm -hmm. but taking it back to the relationship piece the ride or die piece the men piece namely black men you know how do you then define that to say hey I don't want to do it, you know, and still be perceived as a full woman in a sense. Girl, Akila, I am 43 years old and divorced, right? So mm -hmm. once upon a time, a million years ago, I used to date very similar to the way a person would enter to buy a home for the first time, right? So you would walk in and you'd be like, oh, this is nice. All I got to do is knock these walls down. Maybe I put in a little sunlight, Word. throw some paint <laughs> in. I'm going to do all of this. And then mm -hmm. I can move in and then and get a return on my investment. Like really internalize this idea that we're supposed to be this help me, that this is what a good woman does, right? So yeah, I need to bad. approach dating like that. Like, it's okay. Like I literally remember, I'm gonna keep it a whole book. Like I literally remember to, like dating a guy like, 
All I gotta do is give him some good books, expand his vocabulary, teach him this, help him get a job. But, you know, I was like, that was it. Girl, it's real. Damn it, everything is birthing him, right? I can help him fix his credit, do all of this <laughs> other stuff. But sometimes, not only is there not always a return on that investment, but how about if I was so busy building him, there was no room to build us, and there was Come no on. reciprocity, mm. and no one was building me. Right. So Come that's on, how truth, I used to date. Truth. So where it started off with a mind shift, because again, wherever you go, there you are. Until I started mm. thinking differently, all I did was attract more projects. You know, I was mm. rather I was attracted mm. to more projects until I started thinking differently. Right. So a lot of this is it has to first start with us. We have to we have really internalized this narrative. We have to really push back and stop seeing, you know, our love as labor, you know, and this is how we have to show up. And this is what a good woman does. We have to reject that narrative and realizing that we are the gift. Like we are the whole table. Forget what you bring into the table. Right. That part. So that part. And then the second part is to absolutely only date men that you don't have to teach, that you don't have to raise. No more step boyfriends. No more foster boyfriends. We're not dating Praise them and raising the them. Like we're not doing that, right? So if these right. men are not doing their own work, unpacking, unlearning, coming to you, demonstrating that they already are, sis, swipe left in real life. You know what I'm saying? Just walk away from this man <laughs> in real life. No, we're not My doing issue. that anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a fact. I, I do. I would say for me though, like I am definitely the type of person that. No, would not date a project, would not look at a project, I'm not interested. But on the flip side, that has left me with very, what I would say, truly slim pickings, the slimmest of the slim, you know? And I know, like, it's one thing to say you you shouldn't do this, but it's kind of like, where does that then leave you? Do you still have that abundance? Is it still, is it a level of not working with people versus like perceiving them as a project? I'm trying to find that happy medium when it comes to not being a ride or die, but not being so like cut and dry either. But you can build, I love that question. That's actually the first time anyone's ever asked me this this whole time. It's a very big difference between building with somebody and building him right? Building him Mm. is when he comes with absolutely nothing, right? People get it twisted when they talk about, oh, Barack Obama didn't have nothing. He had a hoopty in his car when he came to Michelle. (laughs) Sir, he did not come to Michelle with dick and dreams, right? He had a whole Harvard career. (laughs) He had a whole internship. Like he came- Wait, wait, wait. Wait, 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 sis. Not big in dreams. Because that's a big... It's, it's a reality. Quote, it's unquote. It's a reality. We, we, we got to write that it. one down. Dick and dreams. You can't come to the table with dick and dreams, right? You cannot come to the table with dick and dreams. We can build... Like, this, is, mm-hmm. this is the way that I build with brothers now. Like, right now, I am a homeowner. I worked very hard to become a homeowner. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, yes. I, if I'm a regular chick from the projects, there wasn't nobody writing me a check for a down payment. There wasn't nobody teaching mm-hmm. me about credit at a young age. So this was trial and error. Fuck up your credit, fix your credit. You're doing all of this whole process, stacking money, whatever. So Mm -hmm. I worked incredibly hard. So now Mm -hmm. when I'm dating a guy, they always typically homeowners. And then we talk about, our plans are, should we take the equity from this place and get something bigger? How do we get something bigger? What about two family homes? What about a building? I want to be better. That sounds very rich. I want to be better than I was before we met. And he's going to be better than he was before we met. But for Mm -hmm. that, you got to come with some type of tools. I can build with you. I am not raised you and the difference is you can't come with Word. nothing mm-hmm. mm. you can't mm. come with nothing i love it can't come with nothing come with one plus one must equal two okay let's talk about loneliness right? because the reality is right let's talk about it mm-hmm. i always say our brothers only because i exclusively date black men i don't know no other experience i don't know what the white men are doing over there um <laughs> 
get somebody else to tell you about that. I don't know. But what I will say is a lot of us culturally, we have been conditioned to accept and even aspire for these relationship dynamics, right? So what does this say for our dating pool? So it's like, to your point, it's like, damn, do I just stay by myself? If I, because first mm-hmm. of all, the options are not be lonely or build a brother, right? There's tons of dope right. guys. <laughs> build a brother, build a bear, build True. a brother. There's That's so another many one. more options out there. And I'm going to keep it a whole buck. Like there were times where I felt like, damn, you know what I'm saying? Like when I was not dating anybody, I'm talking about the Ross's blank because I've been busy, like super working, hyper-focused mom stuff. And then right. I looked up one day, I was like, shit, I didn't even got nobody to call come through when I got a free night with no kids, right? Come on, but come through. the reality is, it's kind of like, but when you're hungry, do you go eat vomit because you're hungry? No, because that will do nothing but make Ooh, you Ooh, I like. You don't do this, mm. right? You figure out your way to satisfy your needs in a way that's not going to harm mm-hmm. you even further. And that's how you mm-hmm. have to negotiate mm-hmm. like this loneliness process because that's real. It will get lonely, but will you be worse off when he leaves? Will you be worse off right. the next day? Right. And also another thing to think that's about in that moment of feeling lonely, I always tell people, I may be alone, but I'm not lonely. Mm-hmm. And the difference right. is, is that I know that I'm by myself. I can go to my own self house. Mm-hmm. I can sleep in my own self bed. I can do what I'm doing and not worry about nobody cheating on me unless it's me and my thoughts. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And so <laughs> to be alone and not lonely, you then switch the narrative to where it's like, oh, I'm thinking about me now. Mm-hmm. I'm putting me first. I'm taking care of me. I'm doing the things that I need to do so that when I am ready for somebody, I know what that experience is, is going to be like. I think I talked about this when we did our intro um, episode, Akila, where it was yeah. like, you were like, okay, well, do you feel lonely or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I have somebody that I consistently can go to or that I can date. Um, and we have, you know, our little arrangement or whatever. But the thing about that is, is meeting that person, me being alone helped me be prepared for the experience of this person. Meaning True. I'm not looking for a relationship. He's not looking for a relationship. And it's kind of similar to what Samaria had, had to say, Samia, where it was like, if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. We don't have like a, a definitive re- arrangement or whatever, but the thing is, is we have an understanding and there's a mutual respect. So we can reciprocate that feeling just because we respect each other and we know how to hold each other in that regard. But outside of that, I would have never known to kind of be okay with, oh, okay, this is the experience that I want for myself right now. Um, when mm-hmm. I'm ready for a relationship, while, while I, you look for that. Exactly. Thing, when right. I'm looking for mm-hmm. something else, I can move on and this person will be okay because at the end of the day, we don't own each other, mm-hmm. you know, and that's another thing with marriage. People think that they own you. And I mean, if we li- really look at the contract of marriage, then, you know, that's kind of like the background <laughs> of it. But, you know, if we're really standing up for ourselves and we're really wanting to be there for ourselves, we have to do the work. We have to be okay with being alone. It doesn't mean that we're going to be lonely. We're going to feel lonely mm-hmm. maybe, but that's a passing feeling. Um, once fleeting. you start doing mm-hmm. some things to kind of like, Girl, look into what you like. Yeah. The things that you did last year, do you like that anymore? Um, what has changed? Like, start really exploring you. And once you start doing and, that, yes. you'd be surprised in who you run into in the midst of exploring mm-hmm. you. And they're mm-hmm. attracted to the fact that you have opened up yourself 
to a whole nother level of love necessarily that you probably weren't even prepared for at the time. Yep. Yes. Y'all preaching to the choir for real. I'm curious though, because I do think like this is kind of, these are thoughts that we all kind of have in some regard, like during this day and age, but we had to, as a collective, as a community, as like, you know, black women as a whole, very stereotypically, like kind of get there. Right. And so I'm thinking if you said at the beginning, Shanita, that kind of, you know, hip hop in a sense is a reflection of culture. Do you feel like black female MCs of the day previously kind of failed us in a sense, because this wasn't the thought beforehand. Now it seems to be very much prevalent. Listen, I'm going to what I need. I'm getting what I need from a guy. I'm doing what I need to do. I'm I'm doing me, you know, whereas beforehand, I think it was a little bit more I'm doing we, even though we may not be exactly what I want and how I picture my f- future life in a sense. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense, right? So I'm also <laughs> feeling like, hmm, do I think that they failed us? I think when I'm thinking about some of the older MCs, and right now I can say like, I'm just going back to the nineties, like thinking about Kim and Foxy and even like thinking about like um, Trina, like I'm the baddest bitch. I think they was preaching a rhetoric that for myself, I had to grow to understand and respect, right. To kind of see the value in, because there was like a celebration of singleness. Right. And we didn't call it that back then. Right. And like, I'm just thinking about like just some of their lyrics, how they was good being by themselves. Like, you know, hit these wall, right. Yeah. Mike, like Faxi used to say this, right? right? So they would talk right. about like sexual autonomy, right? A requirement is to please her. Ain't no faking orgasms mm-hmm. over here, right? And then she's okay with having to be single and calling someone else. So I think there was power in that narrative. I missed it, right? Because I have a deeper, I have a deep appreciation for it now. If you think about the conversation around singleness and dating, one of the things that has been weaponized against us and our moms and our aunties is singleness. When you're when you're in a relationship, yeah. they, relationship they say you better chill out before you mess around to be single like your homegirls. When you are, single, the first thing they say is, "This is why you're single right now, right?" When in God, mm-hmm. let's, but if an older woman, let's say an older man is single, like a George Clooney, oh, he's such a perpetual bachelor, right? It's really cute. The narrative yeah. is so is so different. So there's a you way- keep bringing up these fine ass men. I just like, you know I just <laughs> it's like is that in your vocabulary to just like use the examples of the finest <laughs> meme we have on this here earth. Like, <laughs> see, and even to your point, look how fine George Clooney is. When you talk about singleness, they always talk about, <laughs> ooh, perpetual bachelor. But Halle mm-hmm. Berry is so fine herself. And when she's mm-hmm. single, the conversation mm-hmm. is, something must be wrong with her. You know what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. always, so the way that conversations are had about okay. single women or single men are very different. So when I think about mm-hmm. um, some of the hip hop artists, like especially in the 90s, what they did was they broke that, they, they, broke that tool. That's not a weapon for them. They snatched it out their hand, but you're not going to weaponize that against me. I'm okay with being that, right? So of course there were things that they could have done differently, but they certainly got some things right in terms of not allowing singleness to be weaponized against them, having mm-hmm. autonomy over their body, right? I know myself, we, I had to grow to have a deeper appreciation for it. I liked it before. I enjoyed it, but I value right. it differently. Like I love like glow mm-hmm. and like these young rappers now, like they don't be playing. They be uh, like, oh, please, whatever. They were they they, they outside, they are. they're hanging out the window with their ratchet ass friends. Like they have stuff, they have vibes <laughs> that are not centered around relationships, right? So and I think that is so powerful. Right. And I love that 
this when I, and Akila to your point when I said that hip hop typically does represent like is really an um a domino to some of the things that's going on in our culture and that culture shift is prevalent outside of hip hop if you hear now women talking about hashtag soft life like they are not with mm-hmm. the strong black yes. woman trope that our aunties and our moms used to say they are about mm-hmm. that soft life they gonna molly maids me up mm-hmm. they gonna spy me up they are gonna right. roll fly first class if they want to which is wonderful I just wish we would take it a step further I love this soft life conversation i just want it to be Agreed. divorced from capitalistic standards right because while that is all dope, that is all dope a soft life is also about how you talk to you right i used to have this mm-hmm. my inner thoughts right. my, i used to talk to myself in a way that i would never talk to other people right like let's say for example mm-hmm. um something wasn't working with a relationship and i wanted to dead it with the guy i would tell myself he don't want you leave it alone like the harshest thing possible mm-hmm. so that i can just yes. leave it alone instead of saying this is just not a line. You know what I'm saying? God has something for me. This is not a line. True. This is not what we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. There's no rejection. We've just been mm-hmm. freed from each other, right? Just talking soft. I had to learn to talk softer to myself. So when we talk about mm-hmm. soft life, let us, let's include our inner talk in that as well. Yes, yes. I and feel like we kind of led like to that soft life point. I feel like, you know, the idea of being a ride or die chick, like people don't even register it anymore, maybe because we don't even really like, you know, we wouldn't call each other that in the same way. But I I feel like they're, it's still prevalent because it I is. think instead mm-hmm. of like being, you know, let's say a ride or die chick to the man themselves, it's really a ride or die chick to the the lifestyle that that man potentially we want them to provide us. So I do feel like there's a lot of hip hop women of today that are ride or die chicks, you know, but they kind of mask it in being self-sufficient, self-reliant about that life. But they're really about the life that a man, they expect this man to provide for them. Yeah. Right? And so... Well, one thing to add to that, a lot of times too, they'll just, instead of calling it ride or die, it's more of a loyalty type yes. thing. Loyalty is the biggest word that True. they'll throw mm-hmm. out in a minute. And I'd be like, baby, mm-hmm. let me tell you, I'm loyal to God mm-hmm. and to this money yes. and to me. So <laughs> wherever you fit in, in the midst of that, we're, I'm not about to do this with you. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to prove that to anybody. I don't have to go above and beyond, which is the thing, the trope of a ride or die. Like I'm overly doing things or I'm baking, I'm literally baking in my back to make sure that you see that I'm going to be here and I'm going to do all the things, baby, mm-hmm. he's still going to cheat. He's still going to do what he's going to do. And so yeah. to really be about yourself and to understand not to just hide behind the mask of being self-sufficient and really being about your, your coin or about the thing that you're trying to acquire in life, really being about improving yourself and making sure that you're trying to be that whole self because you need to be that person without the other person, without the title, without whatever. I mean, even when she was mentioning with soft life, removing that from capitalism, if you remove luxury from that, what's left of soft mm-hmm. life right exactly. now that's being yeah. trendy right now, you know? So mm-hmm. in itself, it's like mentally, where are you to where you can say that you're making this about you and handling you and managing you, right. you know, first. Shanita, expand on that for I us. I really love that both Akilah and Dawn, you guys are both talking about even when the language is changed, the, be- the, the variables are still there, right? So, for example, like mm-hmm. one of the core things about a ride or die chick is she basically, she she stipulates to, in terms of relationship, because we already said it manifests in motherhood, work, and everything, right? But in terms right. of relationship, she stipulates and she capitulates to a version of mother, of convert, a version of womanhood that was designed simply to benefit men. And sometimes she doesn't even realize she's, she's operating like that. So even though people may not say, I'm a ride or die chick, they'll say things like, I'm a good girl. I don't go out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This is what I don't, I don't be out there twerking mm-hmm. online. I don't do all of that. 
this. I don't do all that. Me. And in mm-hmm. hopes of getting approval of, by a man. If that is genuinely mm-hmm. your bag, sis, if that is genuinely who you are, you know, rock out with your cock out. I always encourage people to interrogate your own thoughts, <laughs> yes. interrogate your own actions, and really tell the truth about why you are doing this. Because if you're trying to perpetuate True. this whole, I don't do this, I always come home, I cook, I clean, you don't have to do nothing for me. Very pick I'm me. not only right. you're still mm-hmm. doing this. To, it's a version of womanhood that you're performing in order to get like acceptance. And that is just the next door neighbor of to the ride or die chick. Like it's all in the same community, True. right? So at its core, it's about operating with a version of womanhood that you created and defined, something that wasn't donated mm-hmm. to you, and something mm-hmm. where relationships, whether it's a queer relationships, hetero relationships, are not the center of your whole world. Yes, yes. I and I, I, I just want to make sure that we make note <laughs> of the quote, rock out with your cock out. Okay? <laughs> yes, I, yes. I want to make, I want to document that. <laughs> Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And so along in those lines of like just being mindful of where you are in, in the line of either being ride or die or loyal to a fault or whatever. Nowadays, you know, if we're talking about feminism and hip hop, you know, back in the day, You know, the women used to be the background dancers and, you know, just the pretty women, the models, because, you know, I wore this shirt because, you know, one of my favorite videos (laughs) is the um, ice cream video from Wu-Tang, you know, and being like a third generation video model, former video model, whatever, knowing how most of those women were treated on set. And in general, most of these women are now professionals, mothers, wives, and really thriving today. Can you talk about like the evolution of that beyond just not even just being rappers or being upfront as musicians, but those women who were behind the scenes who are now quite possibly in someone's corporate boardroom, you know, running meetings and still able to live a life beyond what hip hop was trying to box her into? I love, love that question. I think one of the women who doesn't get enough credit for not allowing hip hop to box him into anything, it wasn't even like a a video vixen or wasn't somebody who, you know, would have been placed in a video, right? But just think about like a Missy Elliott, right? She uh. refused to be boxed and she showed up as simply just as who she is. And because she slowed mm-hmm. up as who she is, like incredibly talented producer, you know, not a slim woman, not a light skinned woman, right? So she showed up and because she's exactly who she is, she found her her audience, right? People connected to her. She's incredibly successful. And she and it's it's because of a Missy we can have a Lizzo and we can have any other woman that's not like the traditional looks exactly the same as everyone else sounds exactly the same as everyone else so when women in hip-hop show up as who they are and refuse to be put into a box it creates lanes for more women to do this right for more lip women to enter the culture and a genre and the business as more than a hip-hop as more than a video vixen some some of them not even in front of the camera some of them are behind some of them are writing their own are writing songs like for example like missy wrote you know she put the, she's responsible for the benjamins like you know what i'm saying like right. put them all together that's mm-hmm. one of the dopest traps in hip-hop mm-hmm. so so many women are doing amazing things behind the scenes because of decades of black women who showed up and refused to be put inside of a box and now we mm-hmm. have these avenues right we have this 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 type of opening 
And it's kind of dope now. And I actually, it's kind of interesting. I think if you talk to like a younger woman right now, it may be kind of, it's, this will probably sound like ancient history. Like, yo, girl, once upon <laughs> a time, women were getting credit cards swiped through their asses and you only saw them in hip hop if they came half <laughs> and if they did this and did that, right? So there's been a lot, of course, we have a lot of room to grow. But in, and to your point, in terms of women not being placed inside boxes, is because people created lanes for this not to be. Mm, agreed. Okay, agreed. That. I do think sometimes, and it's it's not every everywhere, but I do feel like now in mainstream, you know, female MCs, just artists, because I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of hate the, the idea of saying like female rappers, but right. just women who, women who rap, uh, mm-hmm. oftentimes um, a lot of them now who or I would say very much one in the same. And so I think there's some folks and and kind of attributing themselves to still what we were talking about earlier, that attention of men, what they think men would want, what they think men would need, the same look, the same style, the same flow, the same type of type of lyrics. And oftentimes it's about what they can get from a man and then what they can then, how their looks then deliver. But I do feel like there are definitely women out there like Tierra Wack, I think is amazing. And she is kind of, I think if, the way you're talking about with Missy Elliott, I think what she can be, but there's, there's few and far in between. And so I'm trying to think through how can we change or what advice would you say to women today who either want to be of hip hop or consumers of hip hop to not get stuck in a mold that it really is repeating this whole ride or die idea, mm. but just masked in female empowerment, masked in, mm. in, in kind of like, you know, women are taking right. over hip hop with no, I feel like the same message is being said, but instead of being said by men, it's now being said by women. I love that, right? For one, I'm going to speak directly to the consumers, right? This has to be some responsibility placed on us. We really have to understand our power as consumers. Like we still still fall into the same traps when people are like, oh, "Do you like Cardi or Nicki Minaj? Are you rocking with Cardi or Meg Thee Stallion?" Right? When it comes to a, a female MC, a woman that's a rapper, it's almost like there's only room for one at the top. But mind you, we got 5011 mumble rappers who I couldn't pick them out of a lineup we got five thousand rappers all named little right right but there's a <laughs> we're allowed to have a plethora of mediocre male rappers and that's okay right True. but we really True. subscribe and we fall into this notion that there can only be one when that's bullshit right because what happens is when we perpetuate that narrative and we understand the music business is formulaic right when we perpetuate that narrative it's like okay oh this is what the crowd wants this is what the people want mm-hmm. right so this is what's hot so then the next one in order to make those type of charts has to perform you know cookie cutter mode sound like Cardi, mm-hmm. look like Cardi, do this, which is really mm-hmm. sounding looking like Lil' Kim, Misa Hilton, but I digress. But right, <laughs> so we have to start pushing back because we are forcing MCs to perform this formula that we don't even want to yeah. see. So we have to push back and we have to be intentional mm-hmm. about this room. There's multiple, like I love a Cardi. I, I love, you know, a ton of different, Cardi. right, mm-hmm. different MCs and it's fine. I love Rhapsody. That doesn't mean that I can't rock with Rhapsody and a Cardi. That just means that I'm also right. going to be very intentional about streaming mm-hmm. Rhapsody, sharing her music, mm-hmm. sharing That's her content, girl. right, and helping to push her forward so that more women can come out, you know what I'm saying, who are and who are not kind of like following the path of the formula, right? So as consumers, mm, right. we have to be intentional about uplifting the women that we want to see. We have to be mm. really clear. That's we got to understand our power, push back on that narrative. And it's all it is boils down to understanding our power in a real way. Mm. That's real. That's real. So if we had one question to ask you, <laughs> and it is, 
what's your dream for black women? Hmm. How would you answer that based off of our conversation today? That we get a chance to dream. Right. A lot of times mm. when we're so busy working and going and moving, honey, we don't even sit back and probably remember who did we want to be? Not what do we want to do when we reach this age? But do you even remember who you wanted to be when you reach this age? Have you ever thought about it? Not what you wanted to do, not how you was going to keep a roof over your head. But have you ever thought about who you wanted to be and how you get there? My dream for black women is that we will have room to dream. Mm. Have room to dream. I feel that. I feel that. How yes, you feel Shanita. It, Dope. I mean, <laughs> I feel like this is it's such a great conversation. This is the 50th year of hip hop and mm-hmm. the way you're talking and the way you're, you know, you've been able to show up for women and hip hop through your book and through what you do on a daily basis. I'm I'm excited for the next 50 years. Yes. As long as Shanita is involved. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. Um, tell the folks anything that, you know, you have a minute, the floor is yours. Anything else that we probably didn't share that you want to share or how can they reach you um well you can reach me i'm on instagram um professor underscore nita on twitter until that titanic goes down you can find me at <laughs> Miss Anita Renee at twitter but definitely get the book two of my favorite chapters are is the 444 chapter right after the mm. title song with jc and it's not about deconstructing yes. his lyrics it's my, one of my favorite songs Right. And I love that. You know what I'm saying? I love Jay. I think he's a talented artist, right? But that song with this whole pretty much long apology to the woman that he's harmed. I want us to get beyond Mm -hmm. that and talk about restoration. How do you repair harm when you like? Because I really Mm -hmm. want us to get to move forward in our culture, in our community, to start figuring out what the hell do we do with people that cause harm? Complete cancellation is not always the answer, right? We got to start fucking with the graves. We got to figure out this nuance Mm -hmm. nuance and how we heal that, right? And then my other favorite favorite chapter Mm -hmm. is, you know, my sister's keeper because I wrote it intentionally to center our queer sisters because it's a loving call in to my black cis hetero Mm -hmm. women about how we can better show up for our queer sisters. Mm -hmm. Mm Because the whole goal of the book, Mm -hmm. right? And in chapter one, by the time you finish that last sentence in chapter one, I hope you are team defund the ride or die industrial complex. And then the rest of the book flows like, I, okay, I want you to focus on these specific areas for our well-being. And mm-hmm. for our mm-hmm. well-being, I want us to figure out a way, you know, like, re- I want us to start requiring restoration and not just an apology. For our collective well-being, I want us to do better with showing up for our queer sisters as well. And get the book where every book's are sold, honey. Love that. I love, love that. that. Yes. The cover art is beautiful too. So y'all definitely go ahead and check it out. <laughs> we'll make sure to link that too <laughs> under this too. Thank you. That's amazing. All right. Well, that's a wrap, y'all. Make sure you check out um, all things Monuments to Me at Monuments to Me. Listen to it wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, uh, which should be us. So subscribe, like, comment, do all the things. And again, on social, we're at Monuments to Me. Okay, Shanita had all the things. <laughs> all of the things. I mean, I have my post-its of quotes right here, like <laughs> rock with your cock out, build a brother instead of build a bear. You know, mm-hmm. like you cannot come to the table with dick in dreams. That was it. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. 
Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. That was the one for me. (laughs) There's no way someone listening to this is going to go back to, you know, kind of like thinking that they're going to do the same things that they've done in their relationships or in their professional lives. Like this should be that conversation where literally it's like these women went there and then like, oh, oh, they talking to me. Oh. I got yep. hit. Let you know what I'm saying? And it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, let me let them know they I got I got hit real fast. You know, and to me, I think that's the importance of like her book, like really challenging us as women to really kind of change that narrative. What do you think? That's exactly it. I love, I think the biggest piece for me was like when I hear ride or die, like I said, I immediately go to relationships. I immediately think of like that quote unquote urban love and like, mm-hmm. you know, the underlying toxicity of it all. But the fact that she mentioned immediately, like, no, this is how you apply it to your job. This is how mm-hmm. people, women in the church that we grew up with were also doing this or that. And it, it made it very much like, I love that it made it outside of a man in a sense. It's like, no, you are yes. being a ride or die like person, period. And because you're doing a right being a ride or die person, you are attracting these type of men, these type of like career moves, this type of lifestyle. And so I think it was great. It really was a check you moment. Like, listen, apply it, really it to was. all aspects of your life. <laughs> like handle your businesses. And how she talked about, you know, rappers back in the day who were talking about things that now we're literally jumping up and saying, okay, yeah, we understand that. Yes, I need you to Mm -hmm. do whatever before I give up whatever, you know, like all of the things. And honestly, when I was younger, I ain't had no business listening to that stuff, (laughs) but I was already on the way. Most of us did You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But you know, I think it was, even though these women said it, I was more so with her. It's like, I wasn't ready to receive that either. It was Mm. kind of... Of like they were saying it and it became like almost like a what is wrong with you or like oh you're a groupie you're a this you're a that mm-hmm. versus like mm-hmm. no they're empowered and so mm-hmm. yeah so I think we're now ready for that type of music which is why we get a lot more of it <laughs> and I think mm-hmm. it's now mm-hmm. it's a balance of like what's real and what's not who's really saying that and still I think clouding like what it means to be empowered versus what it means to have like just wanting someone to trick on you and that not being like okay 100%. Right. And in the midst of that, just really paying attention to whatever narratives and things and trends that we hear in hip hop that we've heard for over 50 years and how a lot of that is shifting. And it's like it's literally girl power at this point. Mm -hmm. Like you have way more um, women rappers who are coming up and, you know, really taking it by storm and saying, no, this is the hip hop we want. This is the hip hop that we stand for. And I think that that is so crucial considering a lot of things that we tend to see talked about on social media where it's like, you know, y'all not staying as as married as our grandmothers were. We ain't your grandma. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> and you don't know what your grandma had to do to be able to Baby. just keep, be married. You know, maybe if there was more job situations, she wouldn't be doing that either. So, mm-hmm. so okay. it's, always, it's always a story. So yeah, I, I really feel good about this one. I feel like, and, and I also feel like everyone should buy this book. I think that that's yeah. going to be crucial to kind of have like the reading, supplementing, you know, listening to this podcast. Like we're going right. to give you homework. We're going to give you something to do. <laughs> you know, like elevate it. your life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she said by the end of chapter one, we should be good. So I feel like, okay, that's, that's a key. That's a key. 
Yeah, that's going to be on our to-do list for sure. And then we're going to have talks about that for sure. For sure. All right, y'all. Well, I hope you listened and loved and enjoyed um, our conversation with Shanita. And I hope after this, y'all are saying I renounced the idea of me being a Mm. ride or die chick Mm. forever Mm. and evermore. Make sure to check out all things Monuments to Me at Monuments to Me. Check it out like wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Like, comment, subscribe, all the things. Thank you for tuning in to Monuments to Me. Thank you to Revolt for allowing us this safe space to have these important conversations. If you like what you heard today, then subscribe and tell a friend to tell a friend about your new favorite podcast. Head over to Revolt.com to stay connected to all things Monuments to Me. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.